Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Over the years, I have become accustomed to looking out at the edges, and we have found that if we're going to walk the talk on our own transformation and live inspired and mission-driven lives, then it's important to not get too complacent. We tend to gather resources as we live our lives, adding to them as we mature into men and women, and it can be a breath of fresh air to look at and bring yourself out to your edge. This is where some of your new tools will be, the ones that you haven't learned about yet. We've spoken about this in previous episodes. How do we receive the deeper clues that are whispering to us? How do we sharpen our perceptive abilities and grow our inner knowing? This is and will be crucial. I first came across St. Germain as I was exploring the various mystery schools. He held an elevated position amongst mystics. There were rumors in spiritual circles that St. Germain was an ascended master who was still actively assisting humanity in their current predicament perhaps a being who has evolved to the point of being able to traverse dimensions of time and space. These elevated masters, such as Christ or Mary Magdalene or St. Germain, are beings who are committed to assisting us in our ascension. In short, we have allies in high places, and we will need to access them as we move forward. We all know many who count Christ as an ascended being committed to helping humanity. There are others, and they are available for contact. My guest today is Chris Pallas, and he is a mystic, a teacher, and the director of the St. Germain Foundation here in Seattle. He is also a man I consider a mentor, a man who walks the talk and selflessly serves humanity. Here is my interview with Chris Pallas. Okay, I am here with my friend Chris Pallas, mystic and teacher Chris Pallas. Chris, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Hi, Tony. Uh, Grateful and honored to... uh have the opportunity to spend this time together. Absolutely. Yeah. We, you and I are both kind of seekers. Uh, you know, I've, as my listeners know, you know, I've been, I've gravitated towards all kinds of like, uh, wisdom traditions, Eastern, Western, um, you know, all sorts of different, you know, uh, anywhere I could find inspiration and, and a sort of a, a map of making sense of what the heck is this that we're in and what, what's the purpose of life. It was kind of always driving my quest. And, um, and you, you know, it was funny. We had the St. Germain Foundation, the IM Foundation here in Seattle, and I'd driven by it a bunch of times. It's on my way home. And I was always kind of going, what is going, what is that? What is that about? I, I I Googled it and I was like, oh, it's St. Germain. But what does that mean? Who was St. Germain? And I finally said, you know what? I just got to stop in and, and have a conversation with him and find out what's going on. And that's how you and I connected since you're the director there. Um, and I guess my first question is, you know, how did you first get interested in St. Germain and the life and teachings of St. Germain? Were you a seeker as well as a young person? Like how, what was your kind of trajectory like to arrive at, uh, at the St. Germain Foundation? Well, Tony, actually, you know, when I was a bit younger, I had an experience that first got me interested in learning about things I really couldn't wrap my head around. Mm. So I must have been around 14 or 15 when I woke up one night and I found myself floating outside of my body, looking down at myself. Mm. And it was strange to me and intriguing at the same time. 
And it made me realize even at that age that, um, that I wasn't just my body, mm-hmm. that there was something more. Yeah. And, um, a few years later during college, I did the TM thing and began meditating and, mm-hmm. and that eventually led me to a deep dive where I became a voracious reader of all things spiritual. Yeah. And it was the 1970s, and there was a lot to delve into, you know, from mystical Christianity to the Dead Sea Scrolls to the Apocrypha, yeah, Masters of the Far East, Theosophy, and definitely, you know, the Old and New Testament, you know, pretty much a lot of things, both East and West. And so for some time, I continued on with my search. And interestingly enough, the Masters tell us that it's not the student alone who seeks the master, but truly the master who seeks the student. Mm. And when the student is ready, then the master appears. Mm. So like most of us, there were, I think for most of us, you know, there's lots of doors that open and close. And, and I had to walk through my own. And it seemed for me that once I walked through one door, then another would appear. And so um, eventually, there was one particular door that presented itself. And when I opened it, I came in contact with the radiation of the ascended Master Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. And it happened through three particular books, Unveiled Mysteries, The Magic Presence, and The I Am Discourses. And these three books had an incredibly powerful impact in my life. Now. I had heard about St. Germain through various other channels, but it was through the direct experience of Guy Ballard on the side of Mount Shasta. And, you know, later on as well, the Grand Tetons, uh, with his experience with the Master St. Germain, that was really transformative for me. Mm. And these Ascended Masters are like batteries of tremendous power power of which we have very, very little comprehension. Right. Um, I guess you could say they're vibrating in extremely high frequency. You know, for the sake of example, say millions of volts. For those of us um, who are not yet ascended are vibrating at a frequency much, much less than that. Mm -hmm. So um, they have told us in their dictations that the fullness you know, in their fullness of their being, they're really not able to come too close to us or we would be taken out of the body. Mm. Our atomic structure literally couldn't handle their electrical charge. So they step it down when they come near. So when I mentioned to you my experience of, of radiation of the Ascended Master St. Germain through those books, it was an actual physical, electrifying type of experience that I could feel throughout my body. Now, now that was just my personal experience. And that's what got me started. Well, that would have a massive impact, right? If you got, if you're feeling something all the way through your cells, you know, that's going to be affirming your path. Um, But he, he was also, I mean, he was a historical figure, Right. It's not Absolutely. not just this, you know, sometimes you hear 
uh, Babaji, you know, somebody like yeah. that from India. And it's like, well, there's been dozens and dozens and dozens of Babajis, you know, like right. uh, Babaji, right. right? So it's like, That's it's right. it's a, it's an archetype, uh, you know, is it a historical figure? But St. Germain was a historical figure in, in Europe. And now I don't think he's spoken about that much as a historical figure. He's spoken about mainly in the way you're talking about as somebody who has ascended and is uh, uh, still helping humanity um, sort of um, ascend into the next uh, octave, or how, however you want to describe the next age uh, that he's here as a as a as a guide or helper to humanity. But he also has uh, roots in Europe, right? He was European. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, um, he's really he's really a mysterious and fascinating guy in history, mm-hmm. but. To go back even before he shows up um, as Saint Germain, mm-hmm. he was last embodied before his ascension. His last embodiment was that of Francis Bacon, hmm. and in that embodiment, he was the author of the Shakespearean plays. Hmm. So even from before Saint Germain, he had this this uh, etheric record, this record of, of uplifting. Countries. He was very uplifting as Francis Bacon um, in England. He was mm-hmm. secretly involved in the mystery schools at that time, including Freemasonry and the Rosicrucians. Mm-hmm. And that was until the early 1600s. I think it was around the 1620s when he finally ended that embodiment. But the next time he enters the world stage again is really in the early 1700s as the Comte Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. And he was actually known, he kind of hid his identity. He was known through various names, but Maine was with Comte Saint Germain. So he becomes known throughout the courts of Europe and amongst royalty is the wonder man of Europe. So he's a scholar, he's a musician, he's a chemist. Um, they say he was an expert linguist who spoke every language fluently. Mm. The guy's an alchemist. He could yeah. turn base metals into gold. He knew uh, to take imperfect diamonds from royalty and transform them into a flawless state and then give it back to them as a gift. Mm-hmm. So, and then in addition, he became known as the man who does not die. Yep. Because he That's... never seen the age. Yep. Yeah. I remember reading this. Yeah. I remember reading decades, this. You know, he looked pretty much the same. Yeah. And so um, there are things written that say that people believe he possessed the elixir of life. Mm-hmm. And supposedly there's a story where he shares it with a woman he had befriended, and she as well is known to retain her youth. Mm-hmm. So, oh, another interesting kind of cool thing about him back then in those days, um, during all the banquets that he attended, and there were you know, a ton of them throughout the courts of Europe, he was never uh, known or seen to eat anything. Really? Oh, so, yeah. So you can imagine how such an unusual man who seemed very peculiar in some ways and had a very magnetic personality in other ways took the courts of Europe by storm. But this is what's kind of interesting, Tony. It was for a reason. He was trying to unite Europe and to take the attention of the royalty at that time away from the constant wars they were starting, Mm -hmm. especially between France and England. Um, unfortunately, his advice, you know, wasn't really taken to heart and he wasn't able to accomplish what he had really hoped for Europe. So what he does is he moves to plan B. And so where does he show up next in America? Mm -hmm. So 
Let's go back in time just for a second. Okay. Yep. The State House in Philadelphia. It's July 4th, 1776. 13 colonies have come together for the Continental Congress. And they're trying to decide whether they should vote for complete independence and separate from the mother country, or should they not? Right. Debates have been going on for five days, and it's sweltering heat, and they're behind locked doors and locked windows. And these guys are at a standstill. You've got the Quakers who want independence, but only through peaceful means. They totally object to war. Then you've got those who feel that any sort of reconciliation with King George is just a total waste of time because diplomacy has been tried and it you know just hasn't worked. Yep. And then the other thing that was a real big stumbling block was slavery. That was an issue. Um, Rhode Island had freed their slaves, but that hadn't happened yet in the South. In addition to that, these guys knew that whoever signed that document would not only be putting their lives in the line. Mm-hmm. But that of their wives and their children. Sure. Yep. If this war was lost, every person's name on that parchment would be hunted down and hung for high treason. Absolutely. And, and, and they all knew it. Mm-hmm. So these guys are stuck at this time, right? They, they can't move for or against. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be unanimous with every single signature on that parchment. So something happens at that point which is really out of the ordinary. A voice is heard ringing out from the balcony from some unknown stranger, somehow having entered through locked doors. And I'll read to you a small part of what they heard. I think it's pretty fascinating. Okay, yeah. It says, um, this voice rings out and says, the British may stretch our necks on all the gibbets of the land. They may turn every rock into a scaffold, every tree into a gallows. And yet the words of that parchment can never die. And for every drop of blood shed, a new champion of freedom will spring into birth. The British king may blot out the stars of God from the sky, but he cannot blot out God's words written on that parchment. Mm. The works of God may perish. His words never. Mm-hmm. The words of this declaration will live in the world long after our bones are dust. And to the coward kings, those words will speak in tones of warning that they cannot choose but hear. Mm-hmm. Sign that parchment. Sign. If the next moment the gallows rope is about your neck, sign. Yep. If the next minute this hall rings with a clash of falling axe, sign. But all your hopes, in life and death, as men, as husbands, as fathers, as brothers, sign your names to the parchment. Sign not only for yourselves, but for all ages. For that parchment will be the textbook of freedom, the Bible of the rights of man forever. And he ends by saying, I implore you, remember this truth. God has given America to the free. You are free. So, Tony, the delegates were so moved by this man's eloquence and fiery spirit. Um, without hesitation, they just rushed, they rushed forth and they signed the declaration, starting with Hancock. Yeah. And when they turned to thank the speaker for his words, he couldn't be found. 
but the doors were still locked. Who was he? You know, how was this person even able to enter a locked state house? They knew not. And so um, they gave him the name, the unknown. To some, however, he is known is the ascended master, St. Germain. Ah, uh, that's a great story. That's a great story. I mean, yeah. he 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 was obviously very fond of the United States and the Constitution. Um, it's funny, I had taken for granted some of this stuff around wh- who we are as a country and as a, not to shift gears, but it, you know, I was taught in my liberal education to... I don't want to say hate the country, but to be critical of the United States and to not necessarily um, take the liberty and freedoms into the heart or the U.S. Constitution as a, as an essential document. Um, and I'm I've changed my tune a lot the last few years, and I've come full circle to realize what a treasure it is. And I'm I'm right now. I don't know if you're feeling this, but I'm feeling. Um, like some of our freedoms and liberties are being infringed on. It's scary in a way, but it's also caused me to sort of double down on my, uh, my knowledge of what the law is, uh, constitutional law, common law, uh, pride in the nation and what we stand for and what we represent as principles. Um, and it's, a, it feels like there's an upswell right now of these people that are looking to strengthen the Republic right now. And it seems like, um, uh, a good time right now to do that because, uh, there seems to be, you know, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, there's, there's, there's some creeping fascism that's going on as you can see when you go out and see people in masks and there's all this division, um, and there seems to be kind of a divide and conquer afoot. And I guess I just wanted to ask you about that. Like, what would St. Germain say right now? You know, sign, you know, get double down, put your chips in on America. Uh, and, and then how do we, you know, you gave me some great advice. I was getting counsel from you as I tend to do. Uh, and you were saying, you know, be careful, uh, uh, with the polarity, you know, be careful that you don't divide. And that really stuck with me. Um, you know, there's some inner knowing that knows that's the way, but I'm also, I'm also afraid a little bit of where we're at. We seem to be at a, at a, uh, at a delicate spot right now. It feels like it could go either way. And, uh, and so I feel, I feel I have a young son and I just, I feel the stakes are high for future generations right now. And I want to be standing on the right side and making my voice known. I don't know if this is all, uh, if you're, if this is making sense to you, but I, I, I want to be on the good side and fight the good fight. I also don't want to fight if I don't necessarily, if that's not the energy that needs to be brought, you know what I'm saying? Mm, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, um, you talk about, you know, freedom and the constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think St. Germain would say the same thing that the unknown said. I think he would say, you know, God has given America to the free and you are free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, St. Germain's keynote, his vibration is freedom. Mm. And, you know, as we both know, with freedom comes responsibility. Yeah. You know, for freedom to work, there's got to be some kind of structure. And that structure is the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what guarantees our freedoms. So, you know, 
Tony, I, I've contemplated this quite a bit. You know, the founders, it, it, you're right. It does seem like they're tearing down statues. There's all this going on where there wants to be an obliteration of history. Yeah. Um, you know, we got to understand that these guys, these founders were learned men. They, they didn't grow up playing video games all day long. Right. You know, I mean, Jefferson was like only 33 years old when he wrote the Declaration. Mm-hmm. You know, Hancock was, you know, 39. And you, you, know, you had the old sage, Franklin, who was 70. But regardless of age, these guys had a couple of things in common. You know, for, for one, they were all brilliant. And secondly, they were, you know, well-studied. They understood why civilizations rise and fall. And, um, you know, they studied Rome, Greece to Egypt. Yep. So we know that we're not a pure democracy, that we are a democracy within a republic. And a republican form of government is really based on law, constitutional law. Yep. And it's there for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to save our freedoms. And that's what I believe St. Germain intended. And we just need to keep hearing those words, you are free. And, right. I, you know, that's – so, yeah, and um, – I know we have talked about polarity before. Is that something you want to chat about again? Yeah, yeah. Just I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Like, how do you, how do you dance the dance right now without without getting mad at one side or without saying, "Wow, I feel you know I, I'm not doing you know between the vaccines and the masks and the you know everybody's got ideas about what we should or shouldn't do, and it's just it seems like no matter who you are, you've got people that you care about that maybe feel quite differently than you do about issue X. Right. Um, right. and, and it's just, yeah. How, how do you, how do you navigate that for yourself? You know, knowing that you, you may have people that you really care about that just, they're not in alignment with a value you have over here on this issue. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the ascended beings tell us, the only difference between an ascended being and an unascended being is that an ascended being will see perfection where an unascended being still sees imperfection. Mm. Now that's polarized. So, yeah. um, you know, in other words, the master acknowledges the reality of our perfection that resides deep within us in our center point. You know, you could call that the electron, you could call it the sacred fire. In spiritual terms, St. Germain talks about it as, you know, the fire of creation. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, our human tends to want to focus on what we create around that through doubt and fear. And, um, and it collects all around our reality. Um, but St. Germain says it another way. He says, you know, there's really nothing good or bad in the universe. Just it's our thinking that makes it so. Mm-hmm. But to step into this mindset, into this consciousness, um, we have to find a way to reside in the center point because that, that's where perfection exists. Mm-hmm. So that's where balance, where harmony, where, where peace resides. And it's really, Tony, where we become the observer and move into witness consciousness, you know, is the way I see it. Yeah. So, um, to, and it's moving beyond the appearance world, as they call it. Mm-hmm. So, if we move beyond the polarity of petty attitudes, we move from, I guess for a better lack of word, from the atomic to the electronic. The central core of the electron is where light exists. It's where divine love exists. It's where oneness consciousness, the I am, exists. So how do we deal with appearances when they show up for ourselves? Well, 
for me, for one, I try to remember that whatever is in the way is the way. Mm. We don't resist it. We, we don't fight it. Rather than seeing it as a stumbling block, we can choose to transform it into a stepping stone. That's great. So let's, let's take an example, okay? Mm-hmm. In, the, in the Japanese art of self-defense in Aikido, you're taught to not resist an opposing force. Right. Instead, you become aware of it, you embrace it, and then you redirect it to where you want it to go. And this is mastery. This is what the ascended beings are really trying to teach us, is how to redirect our energy and direct it to where? Into the fire of divine love and forgiveness, back to source, back into perfection where it's rebalanced. So I guess, you know, this is kind of what they're, they're teaching us here. So I guess you could say that we can use the polarity of the appearance world, you know, when it shows up as our sparring partner, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the key is just don't, don't let it use you. Right, right, right. Yeah, I get you. I mean, that, that would explain a lot. I mean, I think there, there must be a lot of learning happening right now for everybody because there's a lot of people, myself included, it's, it's been confronting and, and uh, almost like no other time. I think there was, you know, all of a sudden it was like, whoa, we've got a lot of things that are coming to surface and things that we're having to integrate, uh, you know, including things like standing in the principles that we want to stand in. I mean, I think it's, you touched on something earlier that, you know, the founding fathers weren't playing video games. I think uh, prior to, you know, COVID and all that stuff, I think there was a lot of distractions. I think people were, you know, going to the movies, doing, you know, they're maybe not putting their spiritual stuff front and center. I think, uh, I know I could be distracted talking about this and that. And uh, this whole episode has had me focus on what's really important. What is going on? Uh, How do I strengthen my spiritual life? How do I strengthen my connection to the divine? What are the tools that I'm using for that? Um, and you know, I wanted to ask you too, um, about recommendations for, for raising your frequency. I know St. Germain, I, I don't know this for sure, but I know that the violet flame is all over his pamphlets and the books. Um, he obviously, uh, was either fond of it or, or it was a tool that he suggested people use. I don't know how it got to be such a prominent um, part of his of the things that were written about him, the violet flame. Um, but can you speak about that? How did that come about? How how do people use that particular tool, um, and why is it why is it unique or special? Yeah. Well, first of all, my understanding is is a lot of the instruction that um, involving the violet flame and the God self and the presence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been around for a long time. You know, we've had previous civilizations on the planet. I mean, you've had Lemuria, you've had Atlantis. These were highly evolved civilizations. Yeah. Unfortunately, they fell. But they had some of this knowledge back then. Um, and won't get too far into it right now. But, but in terms of the violet flame, uh, we know that ultraviolet light is the highest vibration and frequency in the electromagnetic color spectrum. Mm-hmm. So in its spiritual application, its keynote is love, forgiveness, and mercy. Because ultimately, forgiveness and mercy and love is what transmutes. That's what purifies. 
And the violet flame, as taught through St. Germain and, and, and the great ones, it, it purifies, it precipitates, it rebuilds, it heals, it raises. And uh, the keynote of this frequency is really resurrection energy. And then that becomes a catalyst for ascension. So it's really the highest frequency on the electromagnetic color spectrum. You combine it with your visualization, with your great intensity and love and thought through our feeling, and you put it into action through affirmation or decrees. Mm -hmm. That's what we're kind of taught to do through um, this particular path. And it has a transforming effect uh, to purify and heal and rebalance especially the um, karmic conditions of our own past, as well as whatever we're dealing with in the present moment. And interestingly enough, it's not only just does it affect us individually, but as it's used, it purifies and raises all of life around us, you know, our families, cities, nation, even nature and the structure of the earth itself. And so this is really what, you know, the great ones offer to their students a glad, glad free gift of love without price. And, you know, Tony, my personal feeling is, is the best way to really understand the Vata flame and how to use it is really to learn about it direct from St. Germain and the great ascended masters themselves to, to learn from their words rather than mine or anyone else's for that matter. Um, is important because it's their radiation, it's their love, it's their light, and their consciousness that teaches you through their feeling. That's what the radiation is. And that's how they impart to you when you get quiet enough and you read their words. It will allow um, really a more personal and individual experience. It'll impart a meaning meant for you that you're personally meant to get for your live stream and how to use it and apply it for yourself. So, you know, the beauty of all this is that is that we're not all robots. There isn't just one unique way to get it. So, you know, you're you're unique in yourself and there's only one of you. Right. And each of us, you know, is a blueprint really for a miracle. So the ascended masters and your God self, your your presence knows you better, knows all of us better than we know ourselves, and better than any outer world teacher could possibly know. So I would encourage your listeners to read at least the first three books of the St. Germain series, learn on your own, get it direct from your God source, what it's meant for you to get, because that's what the ascended ones really teach, is thou shall have no other gods before thee. Where, if they if they want to um, find those, where would they go and click to to access that? Um, you know, if they're in Seattle, they're more than welcome to stop by the um, Saint Germain Foundation, the I'm Temple of Seattle. I've got, yep. a, got a lending library there. Um, you know, they can look that up. Um, we can include a you know uh, an email or something later. Also, the Saint Germain Foundation in Schaumburg, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Contact them. You can either. Uh, buy the books or download them or you i think they've even got them on audio okay. uh, amazon.com as well so okay great so chris yeah. are, are, are you optimistic right now in the direction of humanity are we are we in an awakening in an ascension process what's what are your thoughts on that you know yeah i, I i'm absolutely optimistic mm-hmm. um 
I think we're all going through an expansion of the light as we enter this new cycle for ourselves, not only individually, but collectively. Yeah. And it's, it's accelerating. And I believe we're entering into uh, a golden age of incredible enlightenment, prosperity, invention, advancements. I mean, we've had a ton already. Yep. There's going to be more to come. And, you know, if you just look at the advancements last in the last 200 years, Tony, I mean, it's exponentially greater than the last 10,000. Yep. I don't know if you read the book Future Shock, uh, but it's happening now. Time is accelerating. And as the light increases, we've been given the tools to advance us spiritually as well. So um, St. Germain has told the students, interestingly enough, that if they honor his requests and follow his instruction in the use of the body-consuming flame on a daily basis, that he would be able to give anyone their ascension within five years' time at the end of their embodiment. Wow. So, you know, that's a pretty pretty good investment of your time if you wanted to focus on this sort of thing. Well, and, and, and you, you touched on something there, too, that, that I think we can forget that we're in an ascension process that, that's really being accelerated right now. I think uh, it's easy to see things are kind of crumbling, you know, old systems are kind of teetering, uh, old narratives and, and modes of doing business or, or whatever, whatever channels you want to be talking about. It seems like the light accelerating is causing uh, a lot of chaos in a way right now as we try to make sense of everything. And I think we can forget that there's that this is actually a good thing right now. We actually have the wind at our sails or the light at our sails, so to speak. But it's not going to be just smooth sailing. It's you're going to have some uncomfortable uh, periods. You're, you yourself personally may have to let go of some things that maybe you don't want to let go of. Or, I mean, I, I just think that it's, it's, a, it's a massively accelerated growth period for humanity and for individuals. Uh, and it's easy to forget that, uh, you know, things are, things are moving in a good direction. It just, cause it's, it's so crazy and kind of confusing right now with a bit of chaos thrown in. Right. So, absolutely, um, yeah. So I, I'm glad that you said that and brought that up because, uh, you know, I'm always looking for, you know, to fortify, uh, the narrative, to, to keep faith, to keep faith in humanity. Uh, cause that's where my heart lies ultimately is, is in, um, you know, my tribe, my tribe being people, uh, finds safe harbor, safe passage into the next uh, age that you and I have been talking about. So, but Chris, thanks so much for coming on to Basecamp for Man. I so appreciate your insight and wisdom. It's always great to talk to you um, and keep up the great work. And uh, yeah, just, just love what you're representing and love, love your words and your energy. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And uh, you know, we've, uh, it's all good. I mean, we're just all here for a common purpose. We're here to not only uh, awaken ourselves, but to be a part of that process for everyone else. You know, there's, um, you can imagine the image of, of a tiny point of a, of, a, of a tablecloth, you know, is being pulled up whenever we raise ourselves. And mm-hmm. along with that, that, that gets pulled up for everyone else too. So we're all connected. What is good for one is good for all. Beautiful. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you. Appreciate it as well, Tony. Have a wonderful rest of the day and we'll uh, connect soon again, I'm sure. Sounds good. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Chris. 
I meet with Chris every couple of months, and I always come away inspired and uplifted and remembering what is important. My hope for you men is that you also draw to yourself a mentor or two, somebody who will help you prepare for the next chapters of your hero's journey. One thing I firmly believe in is the wisdom of bringing other perspectives into your life. When you do this, you will hear more things that will be out on your edge, particularly on the spiritual side of things, and this will help you find new resources in the coming days. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Men, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men. 